Election Studio on Cambridge 105 Radio. By this time next week, we'll all have voted. We may even know the result. I'm Julian Clover. Welcome to Election Studio, your next MP. Candidates are standing in Cambridge, three in South Cambridgeshire, and over the week and a half running up to the election, we are speaking to them all. Uh, this morning, my guest is Dan Grief, he's the Labour candidate uh, for South Cambridgeshire. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Julian. I'm back again. <laughs> I know, this is your third time, I think, standing. Third time's the charm, yes. Uh, at least for, for general election. You, for general election, you, yes. You stood at city council seats as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I stood twice before in Queen Ediths as well, which is uh, part of South Cambridgeshire, but but also bizarrely part of the city as well. It's that strange overlap, really, isn't it's not it? Between, it's not a strange between... place, but well, it no, is no, a strange, a lovely, uh, a place, strange arrangement of the boundaries, yes, I, I know there's talk about changing the boundaries, but uh, I guess everybody's too busy having general elections at the moment to, <laughs> uh, to sort that out. But let's start with Brexit, uh, the issue of our time. Uh, remain or leave? Remain. Okay. That's an easy one. This morning it's interesting because, as you heard Lucy read in the news there, that uh, Labour is dismissing the claims from the Prime Minister uh, that Mr Corbyn is being profoundly undemocratic, undermining uh, the 2016 EU referendum, uh, they say. This is, as I understand it, uh, the promise by the Labour Party to hold another poll within six months, if successful. What's, what's, what's your take? Okay, well, firstly, the Tories are running scared. Um, they know full well that the they're Labour vote They're running scared by quite a distance in the polls. Well, by a shortening distance all the time, Julian. And what they're saying now is that they believe that the decision in 2016 is completely deciding that Johnson's deal is what people are voting for. And what we're saying is that the country now is a complete mess and we need to find a way through this. And democracy is the answer. Now... You could say on one side you've got the revoke position of the Lib Dems, you've got the Johnson deal on the other side of the Tories. We are, in fact, the moderate position to say, let's have a people's vote, let's get democracy to decide. And the reason that I support that in particular is because Remain will be an option on the ballot paper and I will campaign for Remain because I honestly believe we'll be better off in the European Union in this city, in this area, as a country, than if we left the European Union. And we know, of course, that South Cambridgeshire voted approximately at 60% in favour of remaining against uh, uh, the 40% uh, percent who wanted uh, to, to leave, uh, to leave the European Union. The, the problem is that you're, I'm very much happy to take you as your word, you want to say that South Cambridgeshire wants to stay, you want to stay. That's not necessarily the same if you go to some parts of the United Kingdom. And added to that, Mr Corbyn's own position of not really wanting to say anything that creates a bit of a fuzziness around Labour's Brexit policy. I wouldn't say that at all. So, OK, if we went to those parts of the country and said, I know best, we're going to revoke Article 50, of course that's very insulting. And even though I personally can understand that position because I believe so passionately in Remain, I don't think that's how you move things forward. Equally saying this is Johnson's deal. Uh, and by the way, Brexit was stopped in Parliament because of Boris Johnson, the ERG, several times. So his deal is kind of the third we've seen now. Does that mean, of course... So that Mr Corbyn would negotiate a fourth? 
Uh, well, no, it's not actually a free, free, uh, free trade deal. What we would actually negotiate, which was done before with Keir Starmer um, and also Michelle, Michelle Barnier, is to have a customs union with very close single market access. So it's not a free, a free trade deal in that way. Actually, we'd have much more connection to the EU, but in every other legal sense, we would have left. And just to go to your second point, you raised the point about um, Jeremy Corbyn's position. He is trying to be um, the statesman in the situation to bring the country back together again. So it's not the same as Wilson, of course, but Wilson did w- Wilson have... Wilson gave a view, didn't he? Yeah, and Jeremy Corbyn has a view. Freely. And Jeremy Corbyn has a view, but he is saying, look at what David Cameron did when he gambled with the future of the country. Look how then he set up a, a, an appalling campaign on one side. Jeremy Corbyn is saying, let's actually let democracy work. Let's put it back to the people. And from my own experience, when I've been campaigning in places like Camborne, and Sawston, in Cottenham... And when you talk to people about this and there are levers, they appreciate that you're saying to them they have the opportunity to just de-escalate the tension by voting again. They can, they can still vote for leave if they wish to, and our deal would be a leave option. Or the Remain side, we have to win that argument, and, and we have to do it in a positive way. But I'm None just of not, this I'm negativity not, yeah. like last time. And I'm just not convinced about how important this is to Labour. If you look at the manifesto, which obviously is a candidate, I'm presuming you have done, you have to wait until page 89 until you get the section on Brexit. And even then, it's like three pages of large type. That's well, not, uh, it doesn't seem to be like, this is what we're going to do. Well, okay. So again, if you if you're using democracy, you're asking people to decide the decision, and the vast majority of Labour, believe me, are are Remain. The vast majority of its MPs, its members, certainly in Cambridge and Cambridgeshire, the vast majority uh, are Remain. We also have some people who believe in Leave, and that's fine because democracy will mean we all get to have a say. But what I would say is this. We have seen the Constitution stretched a breaking point by this Prime Minister. He tried to prorogue Parliament unlawfully. Uh, he has tried to do several things which is now breaking the trust in Parliament. Democracy is the only answer to that problem. Now, sitting in that chair on Tuesday was your Conservative opponent, Anthony Brown. And uh, as you know, he uh, voted to leave. Did, uh, did he vote he, to leave? He did vote to leave. Okay, he, uh, I wondered that, because he, uh, he, somebody who he, represents he the banking sector, somebody who represents the banking sector in his lobbying um, organisation, I believe he probably wouldn't, but okay, he said he did. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said, okay. uh, but it was a close one, and in the end, he said that he, vote, he voted to leave. Now, the interesting thing, of course, you've got just, just got the three candidates who are, are standing in South Cambridgeshire this time around. Like a really and you've badly got the, dynamic uh, sort of boy band. Well, <laughs> you've got the two, two members of this band who are wanting to remain, and both very clear, yourself and your Lib Dem opponent, and you've got the man who's out in front, admittedly by a more a narrower margin than one might have expected normally with a, with a, a Conservative candidate in South Cambridgeshire. So I have to put it to you, why don't you stand down, let Mr Solemn for the Lib Dems have a clear run, and then we definitely get a Remain candidate in South Cams. Well, do we definitely get a Remain candidate in that scenario? I'm not so sure, because I know I've been here before, Julian, and I know full well that tactical voting has been something that's been suggested since 2000 and, well, certainly 15 and 17 when I've been standing. However, however, I also know that when it comes to this election, well, originally, let's go back, there were only two candidates originally. When Heidi Allen stood down, it was only myself and Mr Brown who were standing. And I then said to the Liberal Democrats, um, you know, we, we get behind my campaign, we can do this. And they then chose Ian Solemn. Well, they replaced Heidi with Ian Solemn, which is a real shame. But let's talk about the situation we're in now. We have a situation whereby 
I am fighting for a vision of the country that I want to um, bring about, and I think the country could be way better run than it is at the moment. The Liberal Democrat position seems to me about remain, but going back to 2016 and carrying on as if we're just going to go in the same direction. And the Labour policy is saying, no, we have to act now because our schools need the funding. We are short when it comes to uh, police and we've got crime problems well, the in the country. Dems. The Lib Dems and have education climate, policies and crime no policies near, look, as look well. At, look at the School Cuts website and you'll see the difference in spending for every single school and you'll see that the Liberal Democrat well, Labour, does Labour's not full, have an increase of Labour's spending. full manifesto is full of spending commitments, isn't it? It most certainly is. And I'll come to that in a moment too, Julian, because I like to talk about that. Um, and also when it comes to the climate, the Labour position is the only one that's radical enough to actually match the scale of the crisis. And what we had in 2017 is people saying they're going to vote tactically and then being very upset when I came a really strong second and really by almost 6,000 votes took off from the Liberal Democrats. My fear is that what they're doing at the moment is splitting the vote further. So they've still got time. Mr Solemn, if he wishes to, can get behind my campaign. So instead of you Ian, standing if you're, listening, if you're listening, I've done this before, I know what I'm doing and we have got the best chance of beating Anthony Brown. Even though you're in third place at the moment. In th I don't think the election's happened yet, Julian. Uh, YouGov do, do a pretty good uh, right. poll. So YouGov a week and a half ago had a very good poll, you're quite right. But it's interesting what the electoral calculus is saying now. That's already changed. And we know full well the Liberal Democrat campaign is based on bar charts, which have been brought into disrepute. And what they say is at the very beginning of the ca campaign, we can only win here. It, and their campaign is based on, well, obviously Brexit, we should expect. But equally, it's, well, you don't like the Tories, so vote for us instead. Well, I'm trying to give them an optimistic, positive message as to why they should vote for me as a better candidate and as a better policy position. And as we see as time has gone on, the Liberal Democrat position has gone down in the polls nationally, which will affect local situations. Of course it will. Um, and it seems like the calculus is now changing. OK, well, Mr Solemn, Ian Solemn will be here next Wednesday and he'll be able to answer uh, some of those points. I'd like to move away from Brexit, if that indeed is possible, and talk about the link road between Oxford and 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 Cambridge, which mm -hmm. you mentioned the environment, and uh, it would go for, as we know, for a fairly environmentally sensitive area, at least in part. And uh, yesterday, you would know uh, your Cambridge colleague, Daniel Zeichner, who's standing here, um, issued a statement saying that he'd secured support uh, from Labour's Shadow Secretary of State, uh, Andy MacDonald, uh, for cancelling that particular uh, project obviously it affects your constituency just mm -hmm. as much as it affects Cambridge City. What what transport links would you then put in to compensate for that? If you can't get in your car, we know that South Cambridgeshire needs public transport. Definitely. And uh, I was just trying to find the text that Daniel Zeichner sent to me about that very issue because uh, it's something we talk about quite often. Now, the problem with that link way, of course, the expressway, is that there were huge um, problems in regards to the natural environment of the area. And so we're saying from an ec from a economic but also from an environmental point of view, it's not the best solution. Now, the Labour policy when it comes to transport is really transformative. We're saying much more investment in things like such as rail um, and also bringing it under national ownership and also with regards to buses. Buses are a huge part of the solution particularly in a really uh, short term way. We need to make sure that we put the money into buses in some cases, that means taking them under national ownership. In others, giving councils much more control over the way the bus services are run. So right now, we have predominantly, I know there are other operators, but predominantly it's Stagecoach, bit of Whippet in there as well, according mm -hmm. to the bus bus route. Would you, What would you do? Would you 
give, as a party, would you give the local councils in well, South Cambridgeshire District Council, I guess, Cambridge City Council, or the, or the county council, all of them uh, working working together? Would you say, right, here's some money, this is what you can use on ordering or making sure, as they do on some routes, putting money in to make sure a bus route continues, or, or would it be back... I mentioned the other day, I remembered my youth, the good old days of uh, Eastern Counties and um, yeah, I said, uh, I? Colchester Corporation, it was, where I, where I was living. And I think okay, there, was a, that there, was a, there was a Cambridge equivalent of, of all of that. What would, um, what, what would it be? How would it well, work? firstly, OK, so with regards to um, taking over ownership, you would have a bus service being run whereby it's, it's funded by the taxpayer in part um, to make sure that routes are being connected. So if you live in somewhere like Hardwick, you know your bus service connections are pretty poor. You know that you probably have a mile to work, work to your bus stop. So it'd be about making sure the bus route goes through. And, of course, we put the money in because short-term profit motive has failed people locally on transport. And because we have a monopoly, as you rightly said, that means I'm, that... I'm going to do Opoly, but... Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, um, we have a big player, of course, who, who really calls the shots. Meaning that, of course, we don't have much say. So it would be about saying where the routes go um, and deciding that way. But actually, when it comes to your bigger so point how would you, there, how would you on, work out? I just want to say go this about the, about the bigger point about the, the councils. I, I personally believe in a unitary authority because I think the problem we have is far too many district organisations, county council, Greater Cambridge Partnership, the Metro Mayor, uh, meaning that actually the funds are not being efficiently spent. So I would, I would argue for personally, so there's too much local government. Uh, not not too much, but too many tiers. I mean, I think okay, democracy is obviously a very good thing, and representation is a good thing. However, I honestly believe we'd be better off, uh, including kind of parts of southeast Camps and South Camps, and being part of the city. That's that's something I'd like to fight for. And how do you decide uh, which areas would have their bus services privatised and which areas the council, whichever council well, it turns out to be, gets already, control? I mean, um, um, I mean, uh, brought back to public ownership. Yeah. Do so what what we do there is, I think we have to have real consultation with the public, not as I call it, non-sultation, where people don't really feel they're being listened to. Um, and a huge part of that, of course, is going door to door. But then I think it comes down to looking at where the population is in the country, where the problems are, sorry, in the county, where the problems are. Um, for instance, Camborne to Cambridge takes one hour. So I met a chap who moved from Milton Keynes to Camborne to work in the city, and he said it used to take him an hour to drive from Milton Keynes, now it takes him an hour to go by bus from Camborne. So there's an example of where we are building a, you know, a settlement, and Bourne Airfield, of course, is also being built at the moment. Let's have proper public transport there. We know that's a problem straight away, so we could have more bus services being put in place. Uh, and just, you know, we, we know where the problems are. That's not the problem. It's now th- deciding which problem we prioritise first. So, and try and solve. yes, and we mentioned Camborne there, and there are... A possi- there is the possibility of a rail station for Camborne, or we could put it in, in Bassingbourne, apparently, are the plans at the moment. Where, where do you think it should go? Camborne, the northern route, certainly, I think, is the better. Uh, and that's for environmental reasons for the around the sandy area. But equally, I, it seems bizarre to me that 19 years in now, Camborne hasn't got something like a railway uh, connection because they could, have de- they could have designed that into the structure, of, you know, into the actual plans. And when you're in Camborne, people say, well, where will this station go? So we have to be very sensitive as to connection. But it seems to me to make complete sense to have a Camborne connected by rail. It's somewhere that's growing, and of course, you know, these are the kind of developments that we need more of. So Bassingbourne would go, would go without... Um, I love Bassingbourne too. Uh, it's a tricky, yeah, you're right. When you decide, you divide. As, well, you could uh, have both, arguably. 
It, yeah, well, why not? Let's let's go for okay. both. I feel like we've got the uh, the marker pens out and the plans. Let's draw railways I think, everywhere. I think we possibly but have a, a new nationalised rail system can give both Bassingbourne and and Camborne. Well, uh, I, train I can't station. commit to things here right now, I'm afraid, Probably Julian. Not. However, I think the priority is Camborne over Bassingbourne at the moment. Although I appreciate people in that area, obviously, you know, they need rail too. Okay. Do you think that South Cambridgeshire should be mentioned? Your uh, your. Uh, constituent or potential constituent from from Milton Keynes there. Do you think that South Cambridgeshire should continue to provide the land, if you like, to build the houses for people to commute to Cambridge from? Is that just one of these things that the the area around South Cambridgeshire, people in the villages, they will, if they're going to commute anywhere, they're going to be coming into Cambridge? Yeah, I mean, okay, so we're not disconnected in South Cambridgeshire. We are part of the same economy. This is a hub economy, and we know in particular that Cambridge is booming, um, and of course the whole area around Cambridge in Cambridgeshire is, is doing well because of that. And the problems that are caused in Cambridge are equally part of the problems that are, you know, are created by South Cams. And a huge part of that is land price and land cost. And there will be more development in South Cambridgeshire. There has to be. But at the same time, when we build those new houses, we have to make sure we have better transport links. Because otherwise, um, you know, I actually had to drive in from Camborne today and Cambridge is grinding to a halt. And we all know that it's getting worse and worse. So we must find solutions now. Fridays is often better. You'll be, be, be pleased to hear. Well, I... <laughs> Only because your good sales keep me in good cheer as I'm uh, driving in on the radio. That's a good answer. I won't, I won't make the questions any easier, though, Slightly as a result of that. No, you go, yeah. So you can, you, you can try. So the planning issues seems to be something which, when we're reporting the news, comes up so often. We all know we need the houses, but there are groups of people in these villages who kind of like the villages right how, how they are. It's a balancing act. How do, how do you get the right balance between building more properties and quickly, because we desperately need the houses, and not turning green fields into concrete? Yep. Um, I think, with regards to your first point about the villagers, people uh, rightly don't want the character of their village to change completely. But at the same time, I think they appreciate they also want to have their children, their grandchildren, uh, their younger generations of their family and friends being have being, being given the same opportunities that they had. And so what our kind of focus is to use brownfield sites as much as possible. Um, that's why North Stowe is such a good uh, idea, because it means, of course, using an ex-airfield, uh, you are building on a site which, you know, is not a, a natural place of beauty or anything. Um, and, of course, you're then connecting up with transport. That makes sense. So do you think the villagers or many villagers should be, be left alone um, to stay near enough as they are, the odd, odd house here and there, rather than... Um, a great development and use places like North North Stoke and that well, really well, the pick big up the development, slack? The big development stuff like uh, you know like North Stoke, of course, has to be a priority. But villages will also be affected. I think it'd be uh, you know misleading if I said that they weren't. But I think what you have to do there is make sure that development happens in real consultation with the community, so that people really get a say. And it's not just the number of housing; it's the type of housing, the quality of the build, and also does it match the quality and the character of the village? And also, is money going into the services? Because you'll be quite concerned if you think your GP surgery is now going to be swamped with another you know, 25% increase in population and you need to make sure that you can still have access to your GP, you still have access to uh, going on by bus etc to town. So I think we have to be in real like, close um, you know, conversation with those people. But I would also say about the quality of the build. 
because in 2010, when the Labour government uh, was last in power, we had a policy that all homes would be built with net zero carbon uh, to save money for the, the inhabitants and also for the environment. Mm. And that was done away with by this government. So we need to make sure the quality of the homes getting put in are both in terms of carbon, then carbon neutral. And secondly, there's a water crisis locally, and this is something we're not talking about enough. And we need to make sure they're water efficient, using grey water where they can, because the aquifer is almost dry. Yeah, indeed. The, the, the issue of water is one at which uh, a number of uh, the, the candidates have mentioned during the, during the course of the week. Now, Dan, you've worked as a teacher, uh, I think educated at the University of Wales, is that correct? Uh, yes, that's right, yeah. And then before that, nine GCSEs, Okay, um, this is a bit scary. Yeah, three A levels. <laughs> yes, I found, I found yeah. your CV online. Okay. Wh- which school did you go to, though? Right, these are the scary questions now. Um, I went to Notre Dame in Norwich, um, right. a Catholic secondary school. I, and I taught there as well. Yeah, I know, know it well. So strange, strangely, I've known a few people who uh, went there. How, how do you feel about private education? Because obviously a lot of your constituents will be going, going into maybe the purse or, or, or the lay school. Yeah, if people want to go to private schools, that's their choice. I don't mind that at all. Um, All I'm saying is I don't think it's fair, for instance, that they don't pay VAT when secondary um, schools which uh, belong to the state do. Mm. Uh, It was interesting, though, that Labour, which had said at one time wanted to abolish private schools altogether, that that didn't make it into the manifesto. Is that is that a good thing to, to row back from that and just do that VAT change? Well, um, when it comes to private schools, it was a conference uh, discussion that happened. Um, I personally think that in this do, society Do you think the 17% right now, of Labour MPs in the last intake um, who sent their children to, to private schools, do you think that uh, they would have attended that conference? Uh, oh yeah, of course they were. This is the, the Labour Party conference. And I honestly believe that we have a society where some people have far more opportunity than others. And what I want to do, I mean, for instance, education is a really key issue. And if you look at Cambridgeshire, why is it we are so badly funded compared to the rest of the country? This is the, the, and, the national settlement, which, uh, for, for whatever re- reason, I never quite yeah, entirely 20 understood. years of gives a lot lower doing really badly. Um, and secondly, why are schools nationally being so badly funded? And so what I've said is our priority must be to get the funding correct for all of our schools because... If we don't invest in, in our children, and Sure Start's another example, preschool, if we don't invest in our children, then that's not giving them the opportunities they need. And I say that we used to talk about social mobility in this country, but it's now changed to social justice. And there are huge injustices in our society where if you go to certain schools, you don't get opportunity. If you go to others, it doesn't matter how clever you are, because it's not based on meritocracy, you get the connections, and it's the connections you're paying for. So let's make our all of our state schools far, far better than they are right now. Is in funding, that is. And then once we've been through the secondary system, the plan is that Labour would abolish tuition fees. That's um, correct, yes. Where do, where do you get the money from? Because you've got all these nationalisation or uh, renationalisation uh, projects out there. And I know there is some concern within the school sector that if if the economy dips slightly, then, well, that might be the tuition fees might be the, the first thing to suffer again. OK, so this is an economic election because we're talking about a very different economic model, OK? We're so used to Thatcherism and the way that Thatcher's policies have dictated the economy that we need to, a change because it's not working. And before I answer that point about where the money's going to come from, our, our manifesto is fully costed. It's something we did last time as well. And it's something that we made sure that all the money that's going into those pledges has 
a source that we have I made. Think the Institute for Fiscal Studies uh, declared well, the that all of the manifestos were a little bit bonkers. The Institute of Fiscal Studies, of course, is a neoliberal um, focused think tank. So that's why they would say that, because of course they're focused on the Thatcherite um, well, idea. Well, they criticised the Conservatives as well. They didn't think theirs yeah, that either. So, and rightly so. So, with regards to uh, the economic change, what we're saying is the money we, we're going to invest into the situation in the future, say, for instance, like, you know, taking in these capital um, spend on infrastructure projects, will bring money back into the economy again and grow the economy. And this is the argument that I'd say about austerity. The policy of austerity is almost like, and they, the Tories always say about a household budget, imagine that you are somebody who's poor, you're living in a household uh, with your family, you don't have enough money to get to work in the morning, so the austerity dictates you give in your job, you don't borrow the money to get to work, you don't borrow the money to pay for the heating, you don't borrow money to pay for the food, and you sit in your house in the cold. Whereas our growth policy, the analogy would be, you would borrow the money to get to work, to earn the money, to grow your own financial situation so that you'll be better off in the future, and then you pay back the loan. And that's exactly what our nationalisation policy is. We are borrowing now when we know internationally this is the best time to borrow, to invest in our people, to invest in the future, and then through a Keynesian stimulus, we'll get that money back into the economy, pay off those debts to make sure we're growing. The economy now is £100 billion time, uh, pounds smaller than it should be because of austerity. And we as families are £3,000 worse off per year. You, you meant you bring up austerity, austerity, which I guess is a good link to, I think, my final uh, set of questions here. Rough sleeping. Mm. And Labour, I know, is wants to end that within five years if you were to win the election how how would you go about that right so i used to work in a homeless shelter in westminster so i'm very well personally that rough sleeping has a number of factors and of course we know that investment in public health uh, and things such as investment in mental health have really been declining which means that's part of the problem uh, and part of the causes of rough sleeping however it would be remiss of me not to mention how housing is a huge part of this. And we've pledged on our manifesto to have 4,000 homes in particular for those people who are rough sleeping to get them off the streets. Now, there will be at some point temporary rough sleeping where someone's transitioning through a phase and we're trying to make sure we get rid of that as best we can. However, long-term rough sleeping we want to eradicate because in the fifth largest economy in the world, that's what we should do. And the other thing as well, and I'm sure you would uh, want me to raise this point, why is it in our country one-third of our children are in poverty? Why 125,000 are in temporary accommodation? If we think that's justifiable in the fifth largest economy, then we've given up because we're only limited by the scale Except of our bank, I wonder if that's back to housing again and the lack of, we mentioned lack of general house building, the lack, even though it's picked up in, in recent months and years, the lack of council houses or social houses, social housing, whatever, yep. whatever you care to call it. Yeah, exactly. And we've pledged to over 100,000 uh, social homes. And the other thing, of course, is not just that. Universal credit, the bedroom tax, PIP, the personal independence payments, those things have completely crippled certain families economically. And they've been let down by this government. So we're saying to them, this is your chance to change. And if you want change, you have to vote Labour in this election. OK, well, Dan, thank you very much for your time uh, this morning. So many more things uh, that we could talk about. But sadly, we only have half an hour in which to do it. In Dan Grief, the Labour candidate candidate for South Cambridgeshire. I should probably mention that we have three candidates in total standing in South Cambridgeshire. Uh, Anthony Brown for the Conservatives, uh, Dan Grief for Labour, who you've heard from this morning, and Ian Solemn for the Liberal Democrats.
Democrats, who is going to be actually the final guest on Election Studio next Wednesday morning. Uh, on Monday, uh, my attention turns to the Cambridge City, and we are going to be speaking with Jane Robbins of the Social Democratic Party, uh, also hoping to catch up with Russell Perrin of the Conservatives as well. Coming next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Lee Chambers. I'm Julian Clover. I will see you on Sunday morning, actually, back with Lucy uh, for Sunday brunch starting at 10.